The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. All right. Okay, let's pray. We'll get started here. Father, as we continue to look in Ephesians on the armor of God, what it means to be people who are just clothed with, consumed with, crazy about Jesus, I pray that you would give us spiritual ears to hear, spiritual eyes to see your truth as we look at it this morning and you would help us as a result just to see Jesus better and fall in love with him more. Thank you. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're continuing on in Ephesians looking at the armor of God. And this morning we're looking at the belt of truth. And so in order to do that I thought I should understand belts better. So I did a Google search on belts. So this is everything you wanted to know about belts. This is the first, first website I saw. It says, A Man's Ultimate Guide to Belts. Belts. They can make or break your outfit. <laughs> Some of you are feeling really uncomfortable right now. Looking down. The difference between impeccably well-dressed and why is everyone looking at my belly? You'll know why after this. Do you know the rules for stylish belts? Can you tell a jeans belt from a suit belt? An accent belt from a statement belt? Belts are a whole lot of fun to play around with, especially the kind you can deconstruct and reconstruct to suit different outfits and occasions. Just an FYI, I have one belt. And it fits every occasion. What's more, pants with belt loops look naked without them. Buckle up for a fast ride through everything you need to know about these classic masculine accessories. So then I saw a website called 25 different types of leather belts for men and women. We're being a little bit more egalitarian here or something. Since very ancient times, belts have been in use around the world. Since the Bronze Age, records and artifacts have been proving that the belts are utilized for male clothing Starting from ages back, a belt was found to be certainly functional alone, but today, belts have been more accepted as a fashion statement. All around the world, belts have been accepted and highly incorporated with their decorative looks. You guys are going to be pretty swank after this sermon. So then there's a website called SoGuide.com. 20 different kinds of fashion belts. And I haven't heard of 
half of these. These are, these are um, it says a belt as a fashion accessory can single-handedly transform the look of a pant, jeans, skirt, or dress. And there's 20 different kinds. A buckle, a buckle belt, a horseshoe buckle belt, suspender belt, cummerbund. I think you wear those at weddings. Military belt, metal belt, hip belt, yoke belt, cinch belt, lace-up belt, sash belt, OB belts. I guess if you're watching Star Wars, you'd wear an OB belt. Braided belts, twist belts, bow belts, garter belts, and peplum belts, P-E-P-L-U-M. Does anybody know what a peplum belt is? That's good. Um, if you want to spend $795 on a belt, this is the one for you. It's a Salvatore Ferragamo belt. $795, but the good news is it comes with free shipping. So, and you can understand it after you listen to this description. It says, this belt is crafted from supple leather treated with natural wax that's been hand applied with a soft and shiny finish. It's pretty nice, huh? It fastens with a Gansini buckle enriched with diamond dust for a touch of glam while the tonal stitching imparts a casual feel. That's nice, yeah. Yeah, you guys are going to want to go buy that. But if, if you're thinking about it, could you just donate it to the Coffee Oasis instead and just get a cheap belt from Goodwill? Okay. You know, it's crazy. When I put on a belt this morning, I do have a belt in case you wondered, I did it just to keep my pants from falling down while I was preaching, you know? <laughs> but, but now my concern is that you all, while I'm preaching, are going to be just looking at my belt and judging me because it isn't a fashion statement or doesn't have diamond, diamond dust on it. The, you know, actually, as I was reading it, and there, there is a point to this in case you were wondering. I think the sobering thing is we're going to talk about the belt of truth this morning is that the idea of truth in our world has shifted very much like the idea of a belt. Uh, where a belt has become more than just holding your pants up, it's become this fashion statement. And in the same way, truth has become something that rather than be, being this rock solid reality upon which our life is held together, it's become this, well, Whatever you want to believe, you believe, and whatever is true for you is true for you. And it ceased to become this rock-solid reality upon which our lives have a solid foundation. So the question that we're going to look at this morning as we look at Ephesians and a bunch of other scripture is, what can hold things together when it seems like everything is falling apart? Um, if your life is unraveling and you've been thrown a, <coughs> a curveball in life, what is it that can 
keep things together, hold things together with peace and hope and joy and contentment. And the answer we're going to see is this belt of truth. So we're going to read Ephesians 6, 10 to 17. So follow along with me. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then. As, as we were singing one of the songs, it is, it's about standing on the promises or falling on your grace. This is, this is so great. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The belt of truth. So we're going to look at three things. I actually woke up at three o'clock this morning and remembered that I forgot to turn in a sermon outline. So you're going to have to just pay attention. You can't doodle on your sermon note outline. So there's three points that I want us to just look at as we look at the belt of truth. The first is, why do we need this belt of truth? The second is, why is truth referred to as a belt here? And the third is, why? what is this belt of truth that holds everything together when our lives can seem to be falling apart? So why do we need this belt of truth? And the first we see in, if we can just go back to the previous slide, the first is the battle, this thing called life, is way bigger than us. It's way bigger than us. Look at verse 12. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And it's hard to believe that, isn't it? Because so often our struggle seems to be against our horrible boss or the crotchety person that lives next door to us or a corrupt politician or North Korea or China or so often it seems like it's flesh and blood but the battle is way bigger and, and somehow I think part of the battle is that deception that the battle is just flesh and blood that all these things that can seem to be opposing us and challenging us and causing our lives to unravel in reality there is this bigger battle behind the scenes Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Um, It's spiritual. It's unseen. And it's behind-the-scene forces that are opposing us and challenging God in this world. The second is... You know, we honestly, we need something to hold us together when our lives are falling apart, right? And, and some of you are thinking, I'm good, Dave. My life's, my life's nice and tidy. Well, my life was pretty nice and tidy a few months ago, too. Um, 
But just wait. I mean, until a loved one dies, uh, an unexpected divorce, um, financial problems, um, leading to financial ruin. I was thinking of uh, Jordan and Sarah McGrath, their house burning just a week ago. Um, incurable cancer. And all of a sudden, our lives that seem to be so nice and tidy, we're scrambling for what can hold things together and what can keep a, that peace and contentment and that joy and that hope. And when we thought everything was great, but not everything's falling apart, we need this, this belt of truth. Ephesians 4, 14, and we're going to look at a little bigger passage later, but notice it says, then we will no longer be infants. And it describes infants, and it's talking about spiritually immature, like babies. So often we're just tossed back and forth by the waves and we're blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. And so often that's where a lot of, honestly, I think where a lot of us are at. Where a lot of you were at this week as we get bombarded with all kinds of truth messages, right? <laughs> From advertising and and news that we listen to and that we read and books that we read and they have all these things that we just end up getting tossed back and forth like a ship in the midst of a storm not knowing what we believe or what is true. We need something. We need this belt of truth that provides a foundation of truth in the midst of a world that is so subjective and um, doesn't provide us that foundation. The third thing, beyond the fact that the battle is it's way bigger than us and that we need something to hold us together is that, honestly, we can't fix this ourselves. It's way too big. It's way too hard. Isaiah 59, it's, the verses are great, starting all the way at verse 1. But we're going to read 12 to 17. And, and Isaiah says our offenses meaning the way we offend God, are many in your sight. Our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us. We acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on God. And that's as simple as that if, if God is the creator and the God of the universe and we live our lives as if we were okay without him, it's like... Rebellion against the Lord. I don't need you. Thanks, but I can handle this. Turning our backs on our God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. Rebellion and treachery against the Lord. Uh, let's see, we're already there. So verse 14. So this is God's evaluation. Kind of looking over our world. So justice is driven back seem a lot of times like there's no justice, right? Righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. And says the Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice, that there was no one. No one to do anything about this predicament of this world that we live in. It says God was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm 
achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate, the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. Do these verses sound familiar? This is where Paul got Ephesians 6 from. It's from this context in Isaiah 59 as God looked out over the world and said, there's no truth, there's no justice, there's no righteousness. What can be done for this people? And God's answer was, I got to do something about it myself. And so his own arm achieved salvation. We need the armor of God, the belt of truth. Uh, so why is truth referred to as a belt? And I've kind of hinted at this, but I want to just read a description from, as Paul is kind of pattering, pattern, patterning something, whatever you call that, the armor of God on the Roman armors, the Roman soldier's armor. And this is how a Roman soldier's belt is described as a part of his armor. It says, the belt was a very important piece in the Roman soldier's armor. The Roman soldier put around his waist a very wide belt, which was the holder for a lot of equipment. There was a loop, for example, for the different swords. Other loops held ropes and a ration sack. When the legions conquered a city, the soldiers would empty out the ration sack to make room for gold, jewelry, and other loot they picked up. There were loops on the belt for darts. The belt was tied in several places to stay in place so that no matter how the soldier moved about, fell down, climbed hills, etc., the belt was always in place with weapons at the ready. If the belt were not on straight, then everything would be out of place for the soldier, which would cut down his efficiency in battle and may even cost him his life. The belt held everything in place. That's this belt of truth and this how crucial truth is for us in our lives in the midst of this world we live in and all the bombarding ideas and then when our life is just blown to bits and uncertainty, the truth that alone can hold, hold it together. So what is this belt of truth? If we can go back to um, verses 15 and 16 Isaiah there what is this belt of truth it's it's God taking action on our behalf remember the Lord looked he saw that there was no one he was appalled that there was no one to intervene so his own arm achieved salvation for him it's not something we can do, but it's something that God has done on our behalf. And he did it in the person of Jesus. And if you hold on to that, it says, so his own arm achieved salvation for him. We're going to go to Isaiah 53, which is a, a beautiful prophecy about Jesus. It says, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This arm that brought our salvation. And we see in verse 6, just... The whole chapter is great, but notice it's just this clear prophecy about Jesus, the arm of the Lord. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. We've all 
We're doing our own things, going our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the arm of the Lord, the iniquity of us all. The, uh, what is this belt of truth? It's, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. You know, just a few, a few verses just to, to cement that that are great. John 8, 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now we can get so bound, can't, can't we, by our own anxiety and fears and uncertainties and doubts, our worries. What can set us free? It's the truth. But what is the truth here? So often I, I've heard people say, you know, you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And it's kind of like whatever that truth is for you. But it's here. If you hold to my teaching then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's the truth about Jesus, who he is, that alone can provide us true freedom. John 14, 6, Jesus makes this really clear. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 1, um, in the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. So this Word, who was with God, was God, made everything, and life is in Him. And then in verse 14, we see Him revealed. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That's Jesus. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's this belt we need to be clothed with Jesus. One more passage, Ephesians chapter 4. And we looked at uh, verse 14. We're going to start verse 11. It says, so Christ himself gave Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, gifted individuals to equip his people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's, that should be our desire, our goal, our longing to be like Jesus then we will no longer be these spiritual infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. But instead, speaking the truth, meaning the truth about Jesus in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Each part, every one of us does our part pointing one another to Jesus as, as truth. As truth. Um, I don't know where each of you are at this morning 
whether your life seems nice and tidy or whether you feel like your life is unraveling and falling apart. Um, I do know my own story, which many of you also know. My life was pretty nice and tidy until February 19th of this year. And then this day forever seared in my memory out of the blue, um, I found out what was later to be diagnosed as incurable cancer. Kind of rocks your world, doesn't it? Everything's kind of going along smoothly and all of a sudden it's like, wow, what's up, what's down? What is holding things together for me as every day it can seem like my life is falling apart. Um, obviously my amazing wife, a massive support, uh, encouragement, my children, um, my sister and outlaw brother, I mean brother-in-law, sorry. <laughs> um, and and so many of you and, and so many others praying, encouraging, supporting. I, tell you, I couldn't be more blessed for somebody going through what I'm going through. But you know, there are, there are also a lot of lonely hours um, where it's just me and my thoughts, me and my cancer. Um, when I become so keenly aware of how I need this belt of truth. How I need Jesus to be just holding me, and holding me together as my life is unraveling and can be, from a human standpoint, just so uncertain and so full of doubts. You know, I've come to realize it's, it's not just about a bunch of Bible knowledge, um, although Bible knowledge is great. I've, over the last decades, I've read the Bible many times. I've memorized a lot of Bible verses, maybe as much as all of you put together. <laughs> I've memorized the book of Romans and 1 Corinthians and Ephesians. I mean, I just, um, you could probably call me a walking concordance. And if you're going to play Bible trivia, I would recommend that I would be on your team. Unless you want to lose. And you would. <laughs> You know, that's, it's, it's all so good, and I'm so thankful for all of that knowledge, all that Bible knowledge that's in my head, but I realize that so, that so much as I'm going through this time in my life, that, that so much of that knowledge has to just kind of seek down and permeate my mind and soak into my heart, because I need not just knowledge about Jesus, I need Jesus. Um, to, to hold me and, and hold me together as I'm going through. I know that in the midst of this, it's only drawing close to Jesus that can really only satisfy my hurting and my longing and my struggling heart. Unfortunately, donuts just don't do it anymore. Um, and I can't even eat ice cream anymore. Um, one of my friends broke my heart when he um, 
heard about my diet and said, I have coconut ice cream for you. And I said, with no sugar? And he said, never mind. Um, Binging on Netflix doesn't do it either. I mean, there's so many things, aren't there, in the midst of our lives that we look to for comfort and entertainment. And I'm not saying they're bad things. But when it comes to when our life begins to unravel and there becomes so much uncertainty and doubt, there's got to be more than those temporary things, those things that kind of provide support but really can't deep down inside satisfy our hurts and our longing and our, and our brokenness. Um, and so as a result, man, it's become my fresh determination to know him, <laughs> to be still and know that he is God, to set my mind on things above. Um, as I was talking to somebody after the first gathering, we were talking about how easy it is for us to be distracted and, and lazy in our thinking and, and just allow life to go on and instead of, like Paul saying, I want to know him. Knowing that knowing him is this belt of truth, it's, it's, it's he, him that can encompass us and clothe us and provide the peace and joy and contentment that only he can provide. I'd like to leave with you um, a verse that I, I re-memorized in the New Living Translation Bible that I think about every day as a reminder and a challenge for what I need to get through this time in my life. It's Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Um, and I'll try and quote it, but I'll probably forget it since I told you I memorized it. But it goes something like this. Paul says, everything else is worthless when compared, when compared to the infinite, infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything else is it's worthless. It doesn't... And it's this, because it's this comparison with this infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, because when you're going through what I'm going through, or what maybe you're going through, financial challenges, health challenges, relationship challenges, work challenges, and we're going through them, and our lives seem to be unraveling and so full of doubt and uncertainty. You know, there's a lot of wonderful things out there, but, but for me, everything is worthless, when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul went on, he says, he said, for his sake I, dis, I discard everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I can obtain him and become one with him. Man, that's what I know I need, I, that, because he is Truth. And he is the one that can hold me together and hold me and keep things at this time in my life. One of my missionary heroes is C.T. Studd. Maybe because he was a stud. I don't know. <laughs> the, um, he, he was from a wealthy family in England. He was probably the most famous athlete in the United Kingdom in the 1800s. He was uh, on the national cricket team. 
you know, where they hopped around like grasshoppers. That's not what cricket is. It's, it's this weird game that the British play. Forgive me if you're British. I just <laughs> so he was a national hero, kind of like maybe Megan Rapinoe now, you know, because she scored two goals, beat the French. Anyway, <laughs> he heard about Jesus. He had everything. But he knew he really had nothing without Jesus. So he put his faith in Jesus and he left everything to go to China as a missionary. China, when it was closed by the communists, he went to Africa and spent the rest of his life in Africa, opening up Africa to the gospel, died in Africa. And he was kind of this rabble-rouser, radical kind of guy who was just so passionate about Jesus. Um, this was one of his mottos that I kind of latched onto because maybe I can like to be radical sometimes, um, like not wearing a belt. And not, um, <laughs> C.T. Studd, he said um, that he wanted their mission organization to have this is their logo. It was a skull and crossbones, okay? A skull and crossbones. And in front of it, three letters in capital. D-C-D. D-C-D in front of skull and crossbones. And it offended a lot of his fellow missionaries. A lot of them were very offended by it. But for him it was this is what I want to be known by. This is what is important. Everything else is worthless and it's like garbage because of this infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. DCD, I don't care a damn about anything but Jesus. Isn't that amazing? This missionary. But he wanted to rock everybody's world and realize that, that is how important Jesus is. Uh, but I don't care about anything else compared to the infinite value of knowing him because I know that he alone in the midst of what I'm going through and I know in the midst of what some of you are going through and all of us eventually are going to go through it. Man, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for Jesus, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is our creator, he's our sustainer, he's a life giver, joy giver, peace giver, the one alone who can satisfy. Father, open our eyes to see, and I just pray your spirit would just work in our hearts to just make us long to want to know Jesus better and to do whatever we need to do for that to happen. Amen.